The word of God reads as follows. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. What a magnificent scripture set. What a magnificent uh, set of of statements inspired by the Holy Ghost given to David uh, to write down that we would have all these many years or centuries later that we would be able to use and that we would uh, find comfort in um, as um, um, the time and, and as life just moves on. We have, I don't know about you, but I have needed to call on these Psalms using these Psalms um, through various stages of my life, through various circumstances. And, and it just seems that, and it's at the time anyway, that what I was going through, I would always find a psalm. Well, that's not by accident, brothers and sisters. That is on purpose because there literally is a psalm for everything. And that is the purpose of the psalms. And so we've been in this study. Uh, we started out going over the book of psalms in general. Amen. And that was a really good study. If you're missing those lessons, let me know. Um, we can get you the links to those. But we started out learning about the Psalms, the structure of the Psalms. Now, we didn't do the deepest of dives into it, but we went deep enough so that you'd have more than a casual understanding or knowledge of the Psalms. You have should now have, for those of you who've been a part of the uh, uh, earlier lessons, you should now have a working knowledge, so to speak, of the Psalms and the structure. But we also learned something else. We learned how we learned uh, that the Psalms were meant and are meant to be used. Um, we learned what they are and the structure and all of those things, but we also learned how to use them. We know now or should know now that the Psalms are to be used for self-edification. So they're, they're, they are able and they are applicable to our own life's situations, no matter what you're going through, you can use the Psalms for yourself. But we also learned also um, that the Psalms are meant to be used uh, for encouraging and edifying others as well. And when they are used, to edify and to encourage, we learned that they're not supposed to just be used recklessly. No, they're not. They're supposed to be used with wisdom. Wisdom should be the under, should be the um, the the overarching um, principle or or, or uh, thing that guides us in the use of the Psalms. We should not just be taking a Psalm um, when we're going to edify and use edify someone else. We should not just randomly take a psalm and throw it at somebody okay if you're doing that i want you to stop don't do that that is not the way the psalms are supposed to you be used you don't just take a psalm when you're going to edify or you're going to minister to someone you don't just take a psalm and throw it at a person okay or just pull out a psalm no wisdom needs to be the guiding factor or the guiding principle okay and it needs to be the wisdom of god not worldly wisdom because the bible does teach that there are multiple types of wisdom you need that wisdom that comes from god why do i need that because when you have the wisdom that comes from god what will happen is is god will allow you or cause you to perceive the bigger picture 
of your brother or your sister before you give them a song. Well, why do I need that, Brother Walker? You need to understand what the bigger picture is, what the issue is, what the circumstance is, so that the psalm that you pull out is the right one or is one that is applicable to that situation. So we learned all of these wonderful things about the psalms. Last week, we started to dig into uh, a little bit further. Now, in, your, uh, in our scripture set, uh, in verse, um, verse two now, the Bible says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, the Bible says that they stumbled and failed. So we're in this verse number two. And as you can see, obviously, we're not running through this and that's on purpose. We want you to get an understanding, okay? And Bible teaches us in all you're getting to get an understanding. It absolutely makes no sense to have the word and not know how to use it or don't know what it actually means. Okay. Now, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, absolutely. You're not going to know what it means. You're going to know probably from an academic level or on a uh, external level. But as far as the depth and the treasures that are hidden within the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, that you've got to have the Holy Ghost. The word of God was given by the Holy Ghost. And if you are going to understand it, if you are going to be able to make use of it, brothers and sisters, that is not going to happen outside of the spirit of God. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. And, it's the, and, and, and let me take that even a step further. It's not just having the Holy Ghost that's going to make the difference. You got to be in the habit of yielding to the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you are not yielding to the Holy Ghost, that means that you are going to miss what God is speaking. Okay. God is always talking, but we are not always listening. In Psalms 27, verse number, in verse number two, amen. We learned in Psalms 27 and two, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me, to eat at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Now, last week we got into, uh, we're defining, we're breaking down who, who is, who's David talking about, okay? We've got three groups that are listed here. We've got the wicked, we've got enemies, and my foes. Look at the structure of the song. When the wicked, okay? That's one. Even my enemies, two. He brings up somebody else. And then he says, and my foes. All right. The structure here is important. Why is it important? Because these three individuals or these three groups that are listed do not have to always be one and the same. I'm going to say that again. The wicked, the enemies, the foes, they might share okay, similarities. They might cross over into one another's territory. In other words, you, you might find the, you know, the enemies, you're, you're wicked and all, you're going to find those different things. But when we look at these words or these groups here, they don't have to necessarily be the same group, okay? They don't have to be the same person, amen? We learned last week, we talked about the wicked and who the wicked are according to scripture, amen, okay? And what we learned uh, about that, the bottom line of it, is, is that the wicked person is someone who does evil deliberately, amen? 
and is especially someone who deserves to be punished for their act. So in other words, this is not the person who, who's just, you know, making a, 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 you know, an accident. Okay. When you're talking about the wicked, you are not talking about, uh, an, you know what I'm saying? A person who, who, who's walking into something accidentally. No, not at all. And that's very important because the sense or the overarching sense in understanding what the Bible is referring to when it brings up the wicked or when it mentions the wicked. And I want to say this, okay? There are a lot of different, um, of different meanings and there are different flavors of, of meaning for the word. And so we're talking about this primarily from the standpoint of as the word is used in our psalm here, okay? So when I break this down to you, that's not to say that that is the total meaning of the word or understanding of the concept of the wicked throughout all of scripture. No, as you go through it, the Bible adds layer and uh, more and more layers onto it. Okay, It fleshes it out, adds more uh, color to it, more nuances to it. But we're just taking it from the standpoint of, uh, of the book of Psalms. And it just so happens that this is um, pretty widespread. So even though, even if you were to go into other scriptures and start digging into it, um, you will find this, uh, uh, a lot of them do actually mean the same thing, but there are some uh, other colors or variances within it that we are not bringing out um, in, in our study today. But the wicked primarily means it's, it's someone who does evil deliberately. And, that, and the key to that is, is the word deliberately, because it means that that's a person who is doing evil on purpose, okay? We're breaking this all the way down. The wicked person is a person that does so or does wickedly or does evil on purpose, okay? They're not, they're not accidentally falling into anything, okay? A wicked person, we learned, was not always a person who does not believe in God, okay? We learned that it doesn't have to, a wicked person doesn't have to always be a person that is a total non-believer in God. That doesn't have to be, okay? But, but on the reverse, a wicked person is always, okay? They are not always someone who doesn't believe in God, but they are always someone who is disobedient or disobeys God, amen, okay? Uh, Malachi 4 and 1, the Bible says this, for behold, the day cometh um, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Okay? Whether they intend to or not. Okay? Wickedness, you can be wicked. Whether you, uh, whether you intend to do wrong or purposely against God. Now I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing in because remember a wicked person does evil deliberately. Okay. But the person may not always intentionally be doing that for the purpose of rebelling against God, simply meaning that they don't know they are in rebellion of God. That's what they are, but they don't know that. And this is usually in the case of someone who does not know God. They will choose to do evil, but because they have no concept of God or who God is, or even that God is real, maybe they've never even considered it. Because of that, they are not purposely trying to go against God, but that doesn't matter because wickedness is wickedness and God's going to judge it all. 
but that person still technically may not be doing wickedness for the specific purpose of disobeying God, even though that's the end result, okay? A wicked person also, what we learned is that a wicked person can be a believer, okay? A, a, a cat, what we call a casual believer or a, uh, uh, or a person who believes by way of just mental assent. So in other words, this can be the person that says, oh, you know, I believe there's a God, but they don't follow God. They believe that there is a God, but they are not a follower of God. And we gave you some scriptures, Isaiah 29, 13, and Matthew uh, 15 and 8. And uh, uh, Isaiah 29, 13 says, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as, the as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men, of men. Then here come Jesus echoing the same thing, bringing that same truth out. Uh, Matthew 15, eight, what does he say? He says, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, amen. So the wicked person can be this, this casual believer, so to speak, all right? This, this person who has mental assent, they're going through the motions. They're talking the game, but they are not legitimately a follower or a believer. Amen. We also learned something that the wicked, all right, person can also be a true believer, but he's not a true believer who just true he's in and 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 is and and remains a true believer. But what it means, what we mean by that is that a wicked person can be a true believer who has turned from his righteousness. And last week we went into Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 23 through 24, very powerful. And the Bible talks about what happens when a righteous man turns from his righteousness, okay? So you, a person can be, start out as a true believer. So th this person is water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. They, they are, they are, look, they got it. They're saved, sanctified holy, all of that kind of stuff at first, but then wickedness can come in. They can turn from that righteousness. And the Bible teaches us that when they turn from that righteousness, that that's a problem because now you move into the territory of the wicked. And it's important to know, regardless of the, the, the category of the wicked, it's important to know that the wicked will not prosper. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 13. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 8, 13, very, uh, very plainly, it, it shows us or gives us an example of how the wicked for just absolutely will not prosper. 8, 13 says, but it shall not go well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God, meaning he doesn't reverence God, he doesn't respect God, he doesn't follow God is what he's talking about. But that key part of Ecclesiastes says that it shall not go well with the wicked. And brothers and sisters, listen, don't walk down that road, don't walk down that path thinking that it's going to be okay. It's not. It's not. It's sin. God's going to judge it. God has a problem with it. It doesn't matter if you're on the right track right now. If you turn from that path and you deviate 
and go all off into the alleyways of wickedness and sin. Listen, the Bible is telling you it will not go well with you. That the, the heaviness of this scripture is that it is that it, it is that it uh, refers to your wicked intention. So in other words, a person who intends to get away with something, I'm gonna do this, and and in my mind, uh, I'm gonna achieve this goal, I'm gonna achieve these results. So I've got a plan for why I'm being wicked. I've got a plan for why I'm doing what I'm doing and I have an end goal. And what Ecclesiastes or Solomon is telling us here is guess what? That plan, it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna work. Proverbs eleven twenty one says, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Though hand join in hand, that's a very powerful one. Because in Ecclesiastes, you're talking about it from the standpoint of your, you know, I got to go. I have my own private motive. This is my own wickedness, my own thing that I want to do. But the way that I'm trying to achieve this is by wicked means. And he tells you, guess what? It's not going to prosper. But then when you get to Proverbs 11:21, he's talking about this wickedness, but in a, in a, this wicked person, but from a different angle. He says, though hand join in hand. So now this is talking about wickedness or wicked people who band together. Amen. So at first in Ecclesiastes, that's you individually. That's individual wickedness. But in Proverbs, he's talking about group wickedness. So in other words, not only do I want, am I intending to do the wrong thing, but I got a group of people who are also intending to do the wrong thing with me. And what he says is, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. What are we saying? God's saying, guess what? It don't matter how many people you get together to do the wrong thing for whatever intention or whatever your goal is. God is saying you will not go unpunished. We can't stress it enough. The game of wickedness is not one that you want to walk in. Why? Because you absolutely cannot win. He says you're not going to go unpunished. And then Samuel 2 and 9, 1 Samuel 2 and 9 says, he will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. God's got to keep you. God will keep you. But here's the thing. If you decide to purposely walk in wickedness, you're going to walk in silence or darkness. In other words, it's not going to avail. Again, he's reiterating the same concept. So what does that mean for us? <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, it means that we must be vigilant and we got to be on our guard when it comes to wickedness. Why? Because it does not take much for the righteous to begin walking in wickedness. This is a critical, critical topic that we're talking about. And I hope that you're paying attention, that you're taking notes. And, uh, and even if um, it's, it, we're covering things that you already know, take those notes, okay? So that you can share this and study this so that you can share this with other people, especially other believers that are in your circle. We gotta be on our guard, brothers and sisters. We gotta be vigilant about our watch when it comes to how we're living because it does not take much for the righteous to begin walking in wickedness. It doesn't take a whole lot, not at all, okay? A lot of people think that when they're walking and say, when they're, and they're doing the wrong thing, they comfort themselves by trying to tell themselves that they got time to just get it right. But look at Mark chapter 14, verse 38, okay? Mark 14 and 38. 
the Lord gives us some instruction. He says, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. You and I have to be on our watch. We cannot afford to be off of our spiritual game, so to speak, for even a moment. Why? Because again, it does not take much for the righteous to begin walking in wickedness, okay? The, the, it, there are a lot of people that have loved and chosen to believe that there's no way that once you are saved, that God will keep you and, and, and in spite of absolutely everything and, and meaning, but for them, they mean that you can do anything. No, hold on. God is able to keep you absolutely from everything and, and keep you all the way. But here's the thing. God keeps those who want to be kept. God is not going to force anybody to go to heaven. And I'm telling you, the Bible teaches that God is the same yesterday at today and forevermore. And he does not change. There is no instance in the Old Testament where God has ever allowed a righteous person to turn from righteousness and get away from it. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, make sure you study, you look up Ezekiel chapter 18 and you read through, I really read through the whole thing, but verses 23 and 24 through 24 um, in specific, God has never allowed that and he does not change. Glory to God. And if God does not change, if he never let anybody get away with that in the Old Testament, you cannot get to the New Testament and all of a sudden he allow you to do that. That in other words, I can sin recklessly and without abandon and my salvation, my soul is intact. No, God is the keeper of your soul, but God does not remove your choice. That choice comes down to you. You decide that you want to stay with God. As long as God is your choice, you got to understand something. God will keep you. And he'll keep you in perfect peace. Yes, he will. God will absolutely keep you. But you got to want to be kept. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. Glory to God. That he, he, put, he, he, he told you how long you got to be faithful. You can't be faithful for 15 minutes talking about you going to heaven. Uh -uh. You, can't be 50, you can't be faithful for just three years talking about you going to heaven. No, he said, you got to be faithful unto death. Can I keep myself? No. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. We're saved. It is Salvation is and absolutely and always will be through grace. And it is not through your own works. No. But you got to understand God is not getting ready to just put you in a headlock and drag you to heaven. God is not taking anybody to heaven that does not want to go. You cannot live in sin. Holiness is still the requirement. Holiness is still absolutely mandatory. You got to be holy. Holy as he is holy. Amen. Now, again, we got to be vigilant. And Mark at chapter 14, verse 38 tells us that we got to be, that we got to watch and pray. Why? The spirit truly is ready. I want to be right. I want to make it. I want to be there. My spirit is ready. My, I want to do this. But my flesh, my human nature is where I run into problems, amen. And so because my, because my flesh, my human nature has the ability to undermine me, okay, I have to be in prayer and I have to be watching so that I don't fall into temptation. Listen, 
Turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Why do I have to be on my watch? Well, because the apostle Paul lets us know something about sin in Romans 7 and 21. Says what? I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. The wrong thing, the opportunity to do the wrong thing is never more than a few steps away. Even in the, even in the state of being with your best intentions, even if you're residing brothers and sisters and you're going strong and your intent, your desire is to, is to follow and to obey the will of God. And I want to tell you that is exactly where you need to be. But brothers and sisters, do not for a moment be naive thinking that just because you're strong right now, that all of the temptation and all of the struggle and everything else, you have finally overcome, you have finally arrived. I'm trying to tell you right now, as long as you are in this body of flesh, there are going to be temptations and cravings and desires that come up and they are going to rear their head at the most or in the most inopportune times. You're not going to get away from that. The most, the, the worst thing that you and I can do. Now the Bible tells us to reckon ourselves dead to sin. That means we're to walk um, considering in a manner in where we consider ourselves dead to sin. In other words, we walk as though we have no sin. You're, God says, I want you to walk that way. I want you to walk as though you have not committed any sin. Walk as though your sins have been forgiven. And that's really what he's getting into. But that does not mean that you pretend that sin is not out there waiting for its chance. Okay. Bible says, Romans 7, 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Notice what Paul said. He said, a law. He said, it's a law. In other words, this is not a concept, but this is, this is not something, this is not a rabbit being pulled out of a hat. This is not what I think the Bible is saying that, that I think is, or that I think is true or, or, I, or things seem, no, he said, this is a law. That means that this is something that is set in stone. It's not going anywhere. And the law, the reality is, is, is that when good, it don't, that when I would do good, even in, in the presence of my good intentions and my noble intentions, there is still always the potential to drop the ball. And you need to be aware of that. Why? So that you will stay in your prayer closet so that you'll stay on your knees before the Lord because the battle is not, you know, is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but it's to him that endures to the end. God's got to keep you. Now, we got to also be vigilant and on our guard. Why? Because it's the simple choices, not just the big things, but it's the simple choice not to do what's right that can lead us into sin and wickedness. It's the simple choices. It's the simple things that you choose not to do. Look at James chapter four, verse 17. Bible says this in James four and 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, what? It is sin. I'm gonna read that again. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him, it is sin. See, we got to tackle this, this sin issue because there are sometimes when we who have been 
have been water baptized, born of the Holy Ghost. Listen, we we are we 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 are born again the way the Bible tells us to be. And the Bible makes it very plain. Uh, the clearest way to see it is Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight. I want you to read it and go and just and, and go wild with it. Get all into that because that is your instruction. That's what you got to do if you want to be saved. If you want to be right, you got to do what is listed in the book of Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight. Amen. Now, I said it's not just the big things that that lead us astray. But it's the little things that lead us into the paths of unrighteousness. And we got to be on our guard. This is why we got to be in prayer so that we can circumvent this. Therefore, the Bible says in James 4, 17, to him to know to do good and do what they not, to him it is sin. Listen, brothers and sisters, we have a problem. Saints have a problem. And one of the problems that we have is, is that we tend in many times and in many ways, we tend to look, we know, to, we look and we know of the thing to do that is right. But we are guilty of not doing it for whatever reason, for whatever reason. We are aware of the right thing to do. We know that it's a good thing to do. We know that it is the, you know what I'm saying? It is the thing that God would be pleased with. But so many times we decide to stay on the sideline. Brothers and sisters, you cannot stay on the sideline for with unrighteousness. You can't do that. You can't decide that you're going to just stay, you're going to pick the middle ground. You're just going to stay out of it. And it's a whole lot of people that know us, we know what the right thing to do is but we won't do anything about it. Let me give you a practical example. You got your brother and your sister there, they're having a disagreement, okay? Maybe they're arguing, or they're, but they're, they're having a disagreement and you are the third party, you're the bystander, you're the person on the outside, and, and, but, you're, but you're in the vicinity and you're hearing all of this, you're seeing all of this, and you know that what's going on is not right, or you know, or you have a word that could that can bring perspective, but you simply decide, well, you know what? It ain't my business. I'm just going to stay out of it. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says to him to know what to do good and do with it not. To him, it is sin. God sees the decision to not help, to not do right, regardless of whatever your reason is, whatever, regardless of what my reason is. The decision to not stand up for what is right, according to the scripture, God sees it as sin, and he's not going to see it as anything else. Look at Micah chapter 6 and 8. What is God after? Micah 6 and 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? God, what is it that you want? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. What is he simply saying, brothers and sisters? God is, the Bible is telling you that God is telling you and he's telling me, I want you to do the right thing. <laughs> that, that literally in a nutshell is what Micah 6 and 8 is all about. He's saying, I will do the right thing. Do the right thing. Stand up for righteousness. But I'm afraid, Brother Walker, because it really ain't my business and they're not even, they're not even talking to me. But you see wickedness. Listen, your calls got to be God's calls. And the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. There is a blessing when you and I know the right thing to do, and we step up to the plate and we take our swing. 
Does that mean that somebody might get mad at us? Yeah, they might. That might happen. But persecution is part of the Christian walk. You're not going to get through this thing without some persecution. No, 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 no. Listen, the word of God is so plain. If the world hated our Lord, you and I who bear his name and are members of his family, they're going to hate us too. If they don't respect God, they're not going to always respect the children of God. So you, you just got to dig in for the long haul. You got to understand that, 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 that persecution and, and suffering is part of the package deal of being a child of God. And so many children of God are trying to be undercover, but you better understand something. God don't have no undercover Christians. There is no version of this where you can just be quiet and worship and play and praise God, talking about you gonna make it to heaven. No, you're not. You're walking in disobedience. You're walking in disobedience. And many times we do that because we're afraid of how people are going to respond. But Micah 6 and 8 makes it very plain. You gotta do the right thing. God wants us to do the right thing. And that is why he tells us or gives us those instructions that we read earlier in Mark 14, 38, watch and pray. Now, that's who the wicked are, okay? So the wicked don't necessarily have to be a, um, don't have to be a non-believer in God, doesn't have to, it can be a believer in God, um, and it can even be, it can be a casual believer in God, or it can be a true believer who has turned from his righteousness. That's who the wicked are. Okay, and us as children of God must be vigilant because it's a thin line between righteousness and unrighteousness. So make sure that you stay in your prayer closet. The Bible uses another word in our uh, in our text. Amen. In Psalms uh, chapter twenty-seven, verse number two, we dealt with the wicked, but now we have the enemies. Now, who are the enemies? Okay, according to the scripture. Now, according to the scripture here, when you break, get into this, when you break this word down, okay, and you get, just get all into it as far as you can go. The word enemies here um, really means an opponent or an adversary. Now, this should be, um, this should have all, should um, have caused the bell to ring off in your mind because we know that the devil uh, is also a, an enemy of ours. In fact, his name, um, we call him Satan, right? And Satan, the word, when you define it or break it down, means adversary. So now, so we can, we, we bring that in. And, and an enemy is an adversary. Now, I want you to understand, let me make draw, and let me draw a contrast here. The wicked person, and the Bible talks about when we use the word wicked and we looked at that, I told you that person didn't have to necessarily be someone who is actively trying to go against God or trying to go against you. It is simply a person who chooses to do evil deliberately, okay? And because of that, that opens the door for a wicked person to be a non-believer or it can go as far as a believer, okay? You start to cross into that territory as soon as you decide that you want to do the wrong thing on purpose because that's what a wicked person is. But now when you get to enemies, that adds a different flavor to it. Because enemies is, represents, or enemies here means an opponent, okay, or uh, an adversary, but not, but, but it means it in a specific, in a specific way. It's an opponent, not just an opponent, okay, but an opponent that is 
crowding. So imagine um, somebody who is an enemy and they come up on you. They got the fists raised and they're ready to they're ready to fight. Or a group of guys or people want to want to fight or whatever it is, and they begin to try to uh, surround you. Okay, so it's not just an opponent, but it's an opponent that's coming up on you. Okay, Amen. Remember, verse three says, "Though an host should encamp." Uh, verse two says, "When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me." Okay, and we'll get back in, into that. But that's word here. Adversaries is in light of the fact that David is talking about these enemies. They're coming upon him, and so it's not just an opponent, but it's an opponent or an adversary that's crowding you. Okay, he's getting in your space. He's getting in your. She's getting in your face so to speak, okay? That's, the, that's the, the, the enemy here. And this word here, okay, is used, it's used about 70 different times, okay, in the Old Testament. And it's mainly used in uh, the book of Psalms, okay, and, and in Lamentations. You'll find it about 26 times so in Psalms, and you'll find it about nine times or, or so in the book of Lamentation, okay? And that's this particular uh, wording used for this. And I invite you to, to do your study and to look into this. And for those of you who, um, um, who are into Bible study, the, the Strong's word that you can use um, is referenced in the, it'll be in the Hebrew section and you can use, um, look up 6862. That'll be the number for those of you who want to study that further for yourself, okay? So it's used primarily in the Psalms and in Lamentations. The first time it's used, brothers and sisters, is in Genesis chapter uh, 14, um, verse 20. The Bible says, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. That's the first time you see that, okay? Now, a general designation for enemy, okay? The enemy can be a nation, all right? You'll see that in Psalms, uh, excuse Second Samuel 24 and 13, okay? But more rarely, the opponent more rarely, it's the opponent of an individual, okay? It's, it, it can be a nation, meaning it can be a whole lot of people, right? But more often when it's used, it's, it's the opponent of, it's whoever is against you, right? Whoever is, is going contrary to you or to your cause, to whatever it is you've got, you've got going on, okay? Now, also, to be fair, because we want to make sure we handle this correctly, the Lord may also be the enemy of his sinful people, okay? Uh, 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 before his judgment comes upon them or as his judgment, I should say, comes upon them. So when we talk about the enemy, the enemy, when we use this word, it can be, it can represent a nation, okay? It can also represent just a personal enemy, somebody who's, who's just against you, but it can also represent God when he becomes the enemy of his people. And a lot of folks don't realize that, but God can become the enemy of his people. And you can see that in Deuteronomy uh, in the 32nd chapter, okay? Hence, the book of Lamentations, if we take this a bit further, the book of Lamentations, what it does is, is that it describes God as an adversary of his people. So that whole concept of God being an enemy, okay? God can become an enemy. And I'm going to just tell you right now, you don't want God to be your enemy, but God can become 
the enemy of his people. And the book of Lamentations really exemplifies this because that's what you see a lot of, or that's what you're really getting a good look at. The book of Lamentations describes God as an adversary of his people. We love to describe God as, as, as father. We love to describe him, you know, as provider. We love to describe him as healer. We love all of those, th those wonderful things where we tend to get a little sketchy and a little, uh, little squirrely is when it starts to dealing with those other aspects of God, like his justice and his righteousness. And certainly the fact that God can become an adversary. But uh, the Bible says uh, he hath bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant um, to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughters of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. That's Lamentation chapter two, verse four. That's a heavy description. Amen. That's a heavy description. But also when you talk about enemy, it goes even deeper than that. Because enemy, okay, or um, as our scripture text uh, um, is, uh, gives us, because remember, we're dealing with the wicked, and we've dealt with them, and then we're also dealing with the, um, the, the enemies now. And what's, if we take this a step forward, okay, when the wicked, even my enemies, the enemy can also mean or also represent a hater. It can also represent a persecutor, okay? So when we see this, all right, when we see it, this, when we see it, 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 it defined, yes, we are talking about a, 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 an opponent or we're talking, in, or we could be talking about a nation, okay? We could be talking about all these things. It can even refer to God being the enemy of his people, which is something that you, that you don't want. But, 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 but the enemy can also be the one that's full of hate towards, one, to, towards somebody. So this can be the hater. It can also be the persecutor, okay, or the oppressor. Amen. Amen. Um, and, and these are things that we need to understand because the wicked person does not necessarily have to be the hater. It's not someone who's necessarily hating you. Remember, the wicked person is the one who's choosing to do evil deliberately. But the enemy is different because the enemy starts to bring in intention or motive because the enemy is a person that has an op that has an objective or has an objective to their to to their wickedness. So in other words, this is the person who is the hater for all intents of paper person. That's that person, you know, who no matter what good or whatever, they always got a problem. They always mad. They're trying to bring everything down. That's the persecutor. Okay. So David is saying when the wicked, so these are just when the people who are just doing evil for the sake of doing it and my enemies, these are the people who are specifically hating on me. This is the group that's trying to persecute me, okay? He talks about these types of people and the wicked. Now, guess what? The evil person, okay, or the enemy is also an evil person and they walk in wickedness. And that's why I said these terms, they all cross into each other's camp. 
They all cross into each other's camp, but you, but they, but they are unique enough to where you've got to see them, how they separate. So you want to see where they come together and you want to see where they uh, diverge. Okay. And when you're talking about wicked and enemies, the reason we're going through this is because you've got to understand that these can be two different groups. And when David was talking about it here, he was talking about more than just one group. And we're going to bring in the importance of that in a little while. Now we move to foes, okay? He brings in yet another person, another, another group, foes, all right? And, 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 and now the, the enemy is the hater. He's the persecutor. He's the oppressor, okay? The enemy is, is that, that's who the enemy is. He's a, he's a hater or he, he's, a, he's a persecutor. He's, he's an oppressor. All right. But the foes and, and, and um, <clears throat> simply means to be hostile to or to treat as an enemy. OK, the, the foe is an enemy of or the better way to say it is he's your personal uh, in, in enemy. So they, you, you could you could use a, a term. Uh, they would use the term of arch enemy to meaning that that was like your top villain or person who was after you. That was a, that, that's a title that can that that you that's that's used. Um, and 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 when you say somebody is your arch enemy, that means that this is your enemy above uh, everyone else. This is your antagonist. This is that person that is that literally is against you. And the foe, and it's the reason why David calls them out separately. Because I told you that an enemy is a hater, an enemy is a persecutor, an enemy is a tyrant or, a, or an oppressor. But you got to understand the enemy can be that in general, meaning that the enemy is not, the enemy is not, does not necessarily have to be directing it towards you. When you get into the word foe, or you talk about foes, that's the enemy who is directed against you. Enemies is just the person who on GP is an hater or a persecutor. They might not necessarily be coming after you intentionally, right? But their actions and the way they live, their conduct and all of these things, they have the habit of bringing oppression. You hear what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it, it's hatred, not necessarily specific for you, but it's in general, okay? So in other words, to think of it, think of it along the lines of, of the enemy um, um, being, a, think of it along the lines of, of, of someone being an enemy of God. You're, they're an enemy of the ways of God. They are haters of God. And because they are haters of God, you being a child of God, they're not directing it at you specifically. It's at God, but because you are associated with God, all of that they do is a hindrance or is in persecution of you. So in other words, it affects you. It's, you're not the single focus, but you kind of get the splash damage, so to speak. You, you get caught up in it. In other words, it, it rolls downhill. They hate God. And you got to understand this. The, 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 to make it more plain, the devil is, is, is an enemy. He hates God. And getting back at God and, and destroying the works of God is his goal. His objective 
is to undo whatever God does. That's his objective. Now, because that is his laser focus, because that is his goal, because that is what he wants, you as a child of God get always get caught up in the crossfire. It, 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 it's not necessarily always you specifically. It's the greater, in, in its greater context, it's against God. But it has the effect of hitting you. Amen. When the devil is, 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 is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, he wants to devour you. But why? Because he wants to get at God. His objective is to undo whatever God does. So if God saves you, he wants you, the devil wants you to be lost. The devil wants you to walk in wickedness. The devil wants you to walk in unrighteousness. Why? Because he does not want God to triumph. He does not want the plan of God to come to fruition. So he's going to do anything and everything that he can. He is going to be an opposition. He is going to be a hater. He is going to be an oppressor. He's going to be a persecutor. That's what an enemy is. And the enemy is simply, it's those people who operate in that way. But when you get to a foe, that's the person who has personally direct, listen, that person has given a name to their wickedness and, and, and your name is it. When you're talking about a foe, you're talking about the person, you're talking about that enemy who has designated you. You are the target. Glory to God. Glory to God. That, and, and, and because God is greater than our foes. God is greater than our enemies. And God is greater than the wicked. And that's why we give him glory. But when we are talking about a foe, okay, you are talking about a personal enemy. So, it, 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 or a public enemy. It, 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 this person can be public. It can be national. It doesn't matter what level um, the enemy of God, uh, the uh, enemies of God, it, it does not matter what it is. But when you're talking about a foe, you are talking about the, you are talking about that person who has specifically targeted you. Now with this understanding, because it, in essence, a foe is a personal enemy. Okay. In essence, a adversary is a person who who offers opposition. That person is a fault finder, and that's really what a, a enemy is. They're an opponent. Okay, so so to think of it, think in lines of you being in a a contest of some sort, and the fellow con contestants you know in the contest those would all be enemies. In other words, they, they, they are oppositions. They are opponent. It don't mean that they're specifically targeting you because it's multiple people. So it's a lot of people that, that, that get caught up in it, but that person is more along the lines of, a, of, 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 an, of an opposition or an opponent. They, that person is a fault finder just in general, not necessarily specifically aimed at you, but that person is going to be fault finding in general. Okay, that person is going to be an enemy is the person that's difficult just for the sake of being difficult. You ever met that person that just, you know, what I'm saying that just makes stuff hard for no reason at all. And all it's not that they're coming at you. It's not that they're that they're targeting you, but they just make everything difficult. You can't get nowhere because of what they do. Or if you do get somewhere, you can't get there fast because they're always poking holes in everything. Always. That's an enemy. 
that is what an enemy is. It's that it's the opposition. It's the fault finder. It's that person who who makes things is a is who who just wants to bring things down in general. But a foe is that person is your personal enemy. And the Bible test says when the wicked, so those who want to do wrong, even mine enemies, those who just want to make life difficult. Not, 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 not specifically for me, but they just want to make it difficult in general. And my foes, those who now want to make it difficult specifically for me. So do you see what he's, what he's done here? He's brought in all three of those things. He's talking about three different categories of where you can, in, of where you can in, in, encounter resistance. The wicked, people who are just doing wickedness and doing evil. Why? Because it causes, it causes problems. When you walk in, there are no blessings attached with wickedness. You're walking in evil deliberately. And when a person does that, all it does is bring pain and misery. Enemies, those who want to make things difficult, those who want, they just don't like a thing. And so they're going to make it hard. They're going to, they're going to be the roadblock. They're going to be the, the bump on the log, so to speak. Okay, and then you got your foes. That's that man or that that woman who who has given a name to their pain, and and, they, and that name is you. They don't they don't like you. They are after you. They want to bring you down. But the Bible says, when that wicked person, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, literally, he was saying, when resistance comes, whether on purpose, whether it's because I'm in the vicinity, or whether it is just simply just random, somebody's out there just doing wickedness just for the sake of doing wickedness. When I encounter resistance of any kind, my, the wicked, mine enemies, my foes, okay, when they are all engaging in activities that cause a problem for me. He says, when they come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. To come upon me simply means to move towards or to approach. So, and listen to what he's saying. He says, when they came upon me, what that means, what David was saying was not when it got there, not when it was already happening, not when some, not just when something was happening, but when he says, when they came upon me, that means they moved toward. That means when it started to get close to me, glory to God, not up on me yet, but it's, in, it's crowding me in. It's starting to get close. And that's the heaviness and the beauty of verse number two. When the wicked, even my enemies, and my foes came upon me, or in other words, when they got close to me, when they started to get closer, when they started to move in my direction, and they, to eat up my flesh, which simply means to consume me, then that means consume any and everything around me, all that is me. That's what that means, to consume all of my substance, all of my resources, all of my ability to consume me. When the enemy, when the wicked, when my foes started to get close, and the outcome was going to be that they would consume me. The Bible says they stumbled and they failed. The beauty of this is, is that he's saying that they stumbled and they failed 
before they got a chance to succeed. And that's what he's talking about. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to heat up my flesh, to consume me, they stumbled and fell. They didn't get a chance to do it. They wanted to do it. They got close to doing it. This was getting ready to happen. They were on their way. They were crowding me in. They were, they were beginning to hedge me in. But before it got there, they stumbled and fell. And next week, brothers and sisters, we will uh, explore what does the Bible talking about the stumbled and fell because that is actually wonderful in and of itself. But this week, we wanted to wrap up the wicked, the enemies, and the foes. We wanted to know who those uh, groups are. Wow.